Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your questions. However, we normally don't have enough time to get around all the questions that get sent in, but I want to make sure if you sent in those questions and you tip to support the channel, that you don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos and uh, we're getting to the end of the weekend here the new john campus show of course comes out tomorrow i hope you guys have had a wonderful weekend i had a great weekend we just kind of topped it off uh ann and i and ray we went to the los angeles uh comic-con great time got to meet a lot of people thank you to everybody who came up and said hi i took a lot of pictures with a lot of people which was great and then i even went and got some pictures with some of my favorite celebrities we got you know we got to meet benedict wong and uh goth uh goth midian i uh, got to meet uh moth gideon himself giancarlo esposito which is cool i finally got to met, meet leslie ann brent Leslie Ann Brandt, she plays Mazikeen in Lucifer. I It's one of my all-time favorite shows, Lucifer, and she's one of my absolute favorite characters in that thing. And she's like one of Aaron Cummings' best friends, and yet I've never met her. Had to go to LA Comic-Con to meet her. Anyway, had a great time. I hope you guys have had a great weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the John Campus Show tomorrow. But for now, let's get into some of those questions that we need to get caught up on, shall we? We'll get things started here with Dangerous D, who writes, Hi, John. Thanos is transported into the Matrix. He battles Agent Smith. Every time you think he won, 100 Agent Smith shows up. He eventually beats every single Smiths. He is about to walk away. A sonic boom can be heard. Neo drops from the sky. Who wins? Thanos. If he's got the Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos. But then again, it depends. Does a Matrix writer write this movie? If so, then uh, obviously Neo's going to win. If an MCU writer writes it, Thanos wins. If I'm writing it, Thanos wins. All right, next up. Uh, we've got Anthony... Uh, D. Giorgio, G. Okay, D. Giorgio. I hope I'm saying that right, Anthony. Anthony D. Giorgio writes, John, been listening to you for more than half a decade now. Well, thank you so much, Anthony, for being around that long. I have more loyalty to you than any company. I just want you to know that. Um, I just want you to know I was only days away from buying a newly $3,000 worth of merchandise from Newegg. Well, not anymore. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what Anthony is talking about, so I bought, I needed a new computer. It's been about three years since I got a, a computer to run the show with, right? And it was starting to get a little bit long in the tooth. It was having starting to have some problems and whatever. And there are a few things I wanted to do with it that I couldn't do. So I decided it was time to get a new machine. So what I did was I hopped on Newegg and I individually ordered all the components that I needed. And then I paid an extra hundred dollars to have them assemble it for me because I don't like I'm not Henry Cavill. OK, sorry, Henry. I don't know how to assemble a computer myself, to be honest. So I've never put a computer together myself. So I paid a hundred bucks for them to assemble it for me. They sent it in. It's great, except the most expensive part of the computer, the video card, in this case, an RTX uh, 3070 was the most expensive component of the computer. It didn't work. So, okay, no problem. I get a hold of Newegg and say, hey, the, the video card you guys sent me didn't work. Can you please, I'd like to send it back. Can you please send me a replacement? And they're like, oh, we're sorry. Uh, we can't do that. We can only send you a new one if you send back the entire computer. Now, remember, I had ordered all the individual components and then I paid an extra service fee for them to assemble it. 
I had spent most of my Thanksgiving holiday setting up the entire machine, transferring stuff out of the old computer into this one, not just files, but also some hardware and whatever. Spent like half my Thanksgiving holiday, more hours after the next, next day, getting everything set up on this new machine so I could run the show. And I'm like, well, why would you put me through the agony of having to take another entire day out of stripping everything back out of that machine, moving all my old parts over to my old computer, resetting up my old computer to try to get it to do my show, when all I would have to do is send you this video card. Now, look, I'll tell you right now. And they were like, oh, no, we're sorry. That's our policy. You have to send back the entire order we sent you in order for us to fix this video card. I'll tell you right now why they have this policy. They have this policy so that people like me, where the inconvenience of having to go through that entire ship back outweighs the benefit of getting them to replace the component. They specifically have this policy so that people like me won't want to go through the hassle of sending something back. Basically, they have this policy to try to screw us over. And for me, it worked because I, I cannot afford a day and a half, two days. And I don't even know if I can get my old computer working again at this point. I can't afford that time down. I can't afford that downtime. So basically their attitude is, ha ha, we sent you something that doesn't work and there's nothing you can do about it. So fuck Newegg. Um, they're scammers. They're awful. I will have nothing to do with Newegg ever again. When all they, you know how much cheaper and easier it would be for them to just receive one little video card and then just send that one little video card back? But no, they don't want me. They want me to just keep the broken component. Because it will cost me more to take the downtime than it will just to buy a new video card. So I will never order anything from Newegg again. And as just a fellow consumer, consumer to consumer, I would highly recommend to all of my fellow consumers never use Newegg, um, which is really too bad. It's, it's really too bad. But yes, um, all I can say, Anthony, is that I think you're making a good decision. Uh, not to use Newegg. I just think personally, my opinion, after having this experience with them, my opinion is that they are just out to rip you off whenever they possibly can. And that's just my take on things. Okay, with all that whining and crying out of the way, uh, let's move on to the next one. And the next one comes to us from Mr. NG. And Mr. NG writes, uh, Hey, John and co. Ticket Watch was effing awesome. We had a lot of, I, I'm shocked how many people really enjoyed Ticket Watch. We had a great time doing it, which, um, while also having my own damn anxiety watch, uh, watching the show, I too tried to get tickets till 3 a.m. with six Apple devices going and gave up until about 8 a.m. the next day, finally scoring two tickets of Fandango for December 16th. Awesome on you. Again, look, it is still beyond me how these places cannot properly prepare like in an age when we have something like youtube that handles what what is it like a billion video requests a day streaming hd video and 4k video and all that kind of stuff that these companies cannot adequately prepare for an influx of traffic wanting to purchase movie tickets it's been years. I, I mean, I, I wish these places would kind of get their things shored up. Uh, anyway, at least you got your tickets. We all got our tickets. I mean, at the end of the day, we all got our tickets. This is a massive first world problem. But I'm glad you got your tickets. And obviously, we're going to see it too. And hopefully, the movie is worth it. All right. Jack Lumbers writes, I know you said you gave up on Flash. Yes. But when CW announced Flash will be on its final season, will you watch that final season like you did Arrow? No. Uh, like with Arrow... 
I had given up on Arrow, but then I decided along the way to get back onto it and, and finish it out. And I'm glad that I did. Like, a lot of it was still disappointing to me, but some of it was actually pretty good. And then we got into the final season, and I had just loved Arrow too much earlier on in their early years. I still think Stephen Amell was fantastic throughout. But I have given up on Flash. Now, I have really enjoyed Flash. When I look back years from now on Flash, I will remember it fondly. Like the first five seasons or so. Uh, other than that one season with DeVoe. The one season with DeVoe I really didn't like. But but it ran out of steam. It was a show that ran out of steam and I have tapped out on Flash. I have no desire to go back and watch this previous season in order to watch the last season. So no, uh, I'm, I'm off the, the Flash train. But again, overall, I have enjoyed Flash. I think Flash was a good show. And I'll just uh, remember it fondly. But no, I have no interest in watching the remainder uh, of it at this point. All right. Next up, we've got uh, LeBron James who writes, might be a dumb question. No such thing as dumb questions, LeBron. Uh, might be a dumb question. But if Toby and, and Andrew aren't in any marketing, would they go to the premiere? Probably. Uh, seems odd to me that they wouldn't get invited to their own movie premiere. Uh, no way Sony thinks they can keep it a secret before the 16th. Hashtag big surprises. Yeah. Well, look, you got to remember in X-Men Days of Future Past, they did not have the other X-Men cast in it, but they all showed up at the premiere, right? In Shang-Chi, they didn't sir have Sir Ben Kingsley in any of the marketing, but they had him show up to the premiere. We have had a number of premieres happen where a certain actor shows up on the right carpet. It's like, oh, well, I guess they're in this movie. And, you know, it kind of gives that away. So, yeah, I would expect, look, everybody, here's the thing. Nobody doesn't know that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in this movie. People have known this for over a year. There have literally been websites with reports for over a year that they're in it. Then that Andrew Garfield video on set came out months ago. Uh, not to mention the pictures that I thought were fake, but put out. And just so you know, uh, once I realized uh, they were real, I mean, I have, they sent, there were more than just those two pictures I put out. There were more. And I was going to put them out too because I just thought they were fake, but I didn't. Uh, plus, since then, I I don't know why people have felt like I'm the guy to send stuff to because I have seen, well, I've seen a lot more of Spider-Man No Way Home than I've wanted to. <laughs> Let's just say at this point, I've seen a lot more of Spider-Man No Way Home at this point than I want to. Um, but but listen, the Andrew Toby thing. So look, they're going to show up at the premiere. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But if they do, it's not like, oh my gosh, Andrew Garfield and Toby. But everybody knows. Can we just stop pretending like not everybody knows? Everybody's everybody's known for over a year. So let's just stop pretending like everybody knows. And again, that is the way they've done it with other films. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here, LeBron. All right, next up. Uh, D'Onofrio's Chickle. <laughs> That's from a little um, stutter I had the other day. D'Onofrio's Chickle, which I meant to say chuckle, but I accidentally said chickle. I said, what the hell's a chickle? Anyway. Hey, John, you keep referring to RSM as the creator of the universe, but that opening crawl was almost certainly all celestial propaganda. Uh, many things stated in it were proven untrue through the course of the movie, including the nature of the Eternals. No, no, no. You're, you're looking way too much in there. There was one specific deception. And only one specific deception that the Celestials were keeping from the Eternals themselves. But 
Selma Hayek, she knew the actual truth. That character knew the truth. Arshem let her in on the whole thing. And then once you had uh, Cersei become the prime eternal, Arshem let her in on what the actual truth was and why they're doing what they're doing. So yeah, to me, there was absolutely no question at all that that whole part of it was actually true. There was only one specific deception and then that was got revealed, but everything else was, there was no ulterior motive for them to be in those facts. So it's absolutely 100% factual in there. All right. James Lockman writes, one of two. Aloha, John, Ray, and Kimberly. Well, Ray and Kimberly aren't here right now, obviously. What is your guys' favorite film so far this year? Right now, mine is King Richard. That movie is phenomenal. Um, right now, it's still a little bit of a tug of war for me between A Quiet Place 2 and Shang-Chi. A little bit. Like, I, I've seen a lot of very, very good movies this year. And there's still a couple that I'm very excited to see that I that I haven't come out yet. But I would say right now, it is still for me a little bit of a battle between Quiet Place 2 and Shang-Chi. Now, that's not going to be anybody else's top two. But, you know, all film is subjective. Those are the two for me right now. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. James Hyde, part two. If I had to give the award for best picture right now, uh, that would be my choice. And I would give Will Smith the award for best actor. He was amazing in this. He never ceases to amaze me how great of an actor is. You know, if I'm not mistaken, he only has two Academy Award nominations only. I mean, a lot of actors would kill to have two Academy Award nominations. But I know he's got one for Ali. I know he was nominated for Ali. But I think he got one for... The Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. Uh, according to his IMDb, Will Smith has two Academy Award nominations in 2002 uh, for Best Actor for Ali, and then in 2007 for Best Actor for The Pursuit of Happiness. So it's been 15 years since he's had another Academy Award nomination. It seems like this year, that's that nomination is pretty much in the bag this year for... Um, uh, for King Richard, but I mean, there are still a lot more movies to come, so let's see what happens. All right, next up, uh, Biv Will writes, one of two. Hey, John and crew, I really enjoyed the bet you and Ray had. I forced I lost that bet. Uh, I have a suggestion for the outcome of the next bet. Ray reviews a terrible Christmas movie, and John wears a t-shirt that says, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You won't have to eat ketchup and eggs again, uh, so you won't have to suffer. It's the holiday season, so you know what you mean to each other. I'll leave you with these words from John McClane himself. yippee ki motherfucker. Happy holidays and bring on the filthy. Yeah, no, I don't think me and Ray are going to be making any bets again anytime soon. But let's put an end to this debate, shall we? Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's a movie that happens at Christmas time, but nothing thematically about the movie is about Christmas. Uh, that's why Bruce Willis himself says it's not a Christmas movie. So, no, it happens at Christmas time, yes. And you can consider it a Christmas movie if you'd like, but. Christmas as a theme is has nothing to do with the story of uh, Die Hard. It literally is a movie that could have taken place at any other time of the year when, you know, companies might be having company gatherings and stuff like that. So, no, sorry, everybody. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, no matter how much you like to think it is. Uh, everybody's got a different opinion, though. All right. Next up. Uh, Man of Steel writes. 
Hey, John. Greetings from Nova Scotia, Canada, where, of course, I was born. Uh, I think Uncle is Kingpin, but wouldn't it be so fitting in the Marvel fake death universe if it was Kate's dad? I mean, listen, that is absolutely, we talked about this before. We never saw Kate Bishop's dad die, right, in episode one. We just heard he died. We never saw him die. And if you know anything about the comics, I mean, Kate's dad has a bigger role to play in things, but just because it happens in comics doesn't mean it's going to happen in the show. But it is not the craziest thing in the world to think that it could be Kate's dad. I still think it's Kingpin, but it is not the craziest thing in the world to think it's Kate's dad, so we'll see how that all kind of turns out. All right, Uh, let's see. Cash Villain writes, about Clint's hearing, in episode two, he asks Kate to walk on his hearing aid side when they are headed headed to her job. I saw that as a setup for episode three, when his aid is broken and he is hard of hearing. Well, that was clearly a setup for episode three, yes. I love how they transition the sound so we hear like Clint does at parts. Yeah, I mean, listen, one of the things I, I really do appreciate about Hawkeye, and I didn't really like episodes one and two overall. I really do like episode three. But even one of the things I appreciate in episodes ones and two, ones and two and one and two, is the fact that this show is not just overlooking the fact that Clint is a human being with no superpowers who has been through a remarkable amount of trauma, both mentally and physically. And we see in the first two episodes that he is still dealing with the repercussions of both that mental trauma, you know, with, you know, seeing people dressed as Black Widow and stuff like that. That still is very traumatizing to him and his physical trauma. His hearing is gone. Like he's dealing with physical repercussions of the lifestyle he has led. Right. And that's one of the things I've really appreciated about that, even in the first couple of episodes that I didn't like so much. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Cash Villain. Next up, my favorite viewer writes. Two recommendations for you all. Number one, the Chucky TV series. No interest in that, just so you know. Uh, The Chucky TV series is very good, especially for fans of the franchise. And by the way, for fans of the franchise, a lot of good news to celebrate the last couple of weeks because they announced that it is getting renewed for season two. So if you are a fan of that series, this is a very, very good time for you because season two has been greenlit. Anyway, number two, Only Murders in the Building, which is great, by the way, with Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez uh, is so, so fun on all fronts both are greenlit for second season only murders in the building is great i got i got caught onto it because ann was watching it and so i watched a bit of it with her then when i had time i went back to catch up on it myself it's a delightful show i mean steve martin is always great martin short is always great but i mean it is really a great show especially tapping into the whole popularity of murder podcasts and stuff like that right but it is it's freshly written beautifully performed some really nice little turns it's just a really fun show if you haven't watched only murders in the building yet take my favorite viewers advice and get on that all right pedro uh maldonado writes hey john So you know how at the very end of most Marvel movies, there's a caption of so-and-so character will return. Yeah, like they just did at the end of Eternals. The Eternals will return. What do you think that the caption will be at the end of Spider-Man movie? Maybe Spider-Man will return home? Uh, Big fan, brother. Well, thank you so much for that, Pedro. I think it will say Spider-Man will return. I think at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home, it'll say Spider-Man No Return. But that, because that in and of itself is an ambiguous phrase. Now, what could happen 
is Spider-Man will return to the MCU. Like, what if they got specific with it? Or Spider-Man now returns to the Sony-verse or something like that. What if they go specific with it one way or the other? Because I do believe it'll say Spider-Man will return. But that's ambiguous. Of course we know Spider-Man's going to return. The question is, where is he going to return? So they could get specific. They might stay ambiguous. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Thanks for that, Pedro. Next up, Suthius writes, I love that even though Clint was Ronan going out and seeking to murder people, granted bad guys, during the blip, his wife is still by his side and even giving him tactical suggestions during events of Hawkeye. I love that about their relationship. I love their relationship. I love Clinton and his wife's relationship. You know, even in that one scene, when when he's calling her, I was expecting the stereotypical, you know, oh, you know, honey, like trying to cover and make excuses. That's what all the heroes and good guys and, and even the lead characters of every rom-com does, right? It was so refreshingly unusual that Clint gets her on the phone and just straight up tells her everything that's happening. And she's like, okay, yeah, got it. So you're going to pull the old uh, Natasha move with the bait and switch. Gotcha. And blah. Like she's just a hundred thousand percent supportive. And you instantly get this idea that he can't possibly do what he does if he doesn't have her. You know what I mean? And it did. They just, they is, even though we've only seen them on screen together, maybe for a total of five minutes in all of the MCU, they are yet, one of my favorite couples in all of the MCU, just because of that dynamic. I love that. All right, next up, we got Suthius, who also writes, I was curious and thought I'd check out The Great Wall with Damon and Pascal. Not, not a good movie. Uh, wasn't too bad at all, in my opinion. I, I thought it was quite bad. I enjoyed the monsters and their mythology, the fighting, and oh my goodness, the costumes. The costumes were gorgeous. Damon and Pascal were okay as well. Yeah, listen, the basic idea of the mythology behind it about why the Great Wall was actually built and even some of the visual effects are pretty good and the costuming was great. I, I So I concede all of those Suthias, but at the end of the day, I still thought the movie was pretty bad. But the best thing about movies is that they're all subjective and if you saw it and liked it, that's the only thing that matters, brother. All right, I'm glad you liked it. Next up, Suthias also writes, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, or Ten Wings, not rings, wings. That's right. Simu uh, was this week's guest on Hot Ones. I learned that he is a huge Star Wars fan. Well, yeah, we've known that about him for a long time. And that Qui-Gon is his favorite Jedi. I also laughed at his story of how he was an Amber Carmie and Finch model. Uh, LOL. That kind of gives him the same background as Marky Mark and his Funky. No, no, no. Marky Mark and his Funky Bunch. He was already popular before he started to do that. Who was the other actor that I'm thinking of? There was another actor who was either a Calvin Klein model or an... Oh, I can't remember who it was now. I'm freezing out. You guys probably know who I'm talking about. But yeah, Simu Lu, man. Good Canadian kid. All right. Next up. Guy Fox JLT writes, Hey, John, congratulations on your PS5. Very excited about it. I'm planning to buy one. Do you think I need 120 hertz 4K TV? No, I really don't. I, I, listen, I... When I watch content, like I have a 4K TV, but when I watch content that's just pure HD, I don't really notice it all that much. I mean, yeah, you notice it, but once you start watching a movie and you get into the movie, it doesn't really matter. Once you start playing a game and start getting into the game, it doesn't really matter. Do I think you have to, on top of the investment of a PS5, now go out and get a 120 hertz 4K HDR TV? No. As long as you like your TV and your TV gives you a good image, I personally think you're totally fine. 
I know people who are all into home theater stuff right now are just, oh, what did he just say? But honestly, I think as long as you like your TV, I think you're good. No, I do not think you need to go out and get that shit. It doesn't make the games any better, in my opinion. It doesn't make the games any better. All right, next up. Oscar Fierro writes, John, any suggestions to avoid spoilers for Spider-Man? I'm from Mexico and I got my tickets for Friday the 17th, but the movie will be released in the 15th here. I work in marketing and I kind of need to use social media during the week. Thanks. Yeah, you're in a tough spot, Oscar. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Because first of all, it's opening on the 15th in a lot of countries. Not in the U.S. The U.S. it opens on the 17th, which really means the 16th, which is when we're having our special Spider-Man screening. Uh, For those of you who don't know, we have a... We got given a private theater for a uh, private screening of Spider-Man No Way Home on Thursday, the 16th at 3 p.m. So very, very excited about that. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of countries, including the UK, that are officially opening on the 15th, which means really the 14th. Listen, dude, they're going to be out there everywhere. They're going to be out there everywhere. So I think you're just going to have to accept right now that you are, especially if your job requires you to be on social media a lot, that that's where your back's really against the wall. If your job requires you to be on social media, the reality is you're probably just going to have to accept there's going to be a bunch of things you find out before you go in. But listen, again, to me, to me, spoilers are not that big of a deal, barring very specific spoilers, like finding out the ending of Citizen Kane, finding out the twist ending of uh, Sixth Sense, you know, the twist, something that fundamentally alters your perception of the entire movie, right? Like you go back to um, Usual Suspects, finding out who Kevin Klein's character actually is fundamentally changes the way you look at the whole movie. Finding out what's actually going on with Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense changes fundamentally your entire view and understanding of the movie. Finding out Andrew Garfield pops up as Spider-Man does not fundamentally change your perception of the film. You know what I mean? Now, that's just me. But to me, it's not about what happens in a movie. It's about that makes a movie good. It's about how is the story told? Like, I often go back to Titanic, right? Everybody knows that Titanic sinks. Now, that's it. That's the ultimate spoiler. The Titanic sinks at the end. They don't manage to save the boat. They don't manage to save everybody. The Titanic sinks and most people on it die. And we know that. But that's not what make the, makes the movie good. What makes the movie good is, and it is an incredible movie, it, it just it's how the story is told. That's what makes it a good movie, is how the story is told. I would suggest to you, actually, if finding out what the, you know, cameos and surprises are in the movie ruins the movie, then the movie wasn't very good to start with. Like, look, we all know that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire be in the movie. We've known that for about a year. Some of us, like me, didn't really start to uh, accept that till maybe three or four months ago. But still... Most people around the world have known for like a year, and especially after Toby's uh, footage on set got released. But like, if knowing that now ruins the movie for you, if that's the case, then the movie's not very good at all. Then the movie's not good at all. 
Like if you found out, I'm trying to think of another movie. Okay, let's say Shazam. Finding out Superman shows up in the post-credit scene of Shazam, right? Well, yeah, if you found that, oh, now it's ruined. If finding out that Spider-Man or that Superman pops up in Shazam ruins that movie for you, then Shazam's not a very good movie. And I think Shazam's a great movie. Um, so yeah, I, 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 so I would say this, I would say try to avoid social media for like 48 hours, but your job requires you to be on it. So just accept, you're probably going to find a lot of things out. What I would say to you though, is start to condition your mind to know like, look, if you do find some, some things out that ain't going to mo- ruin the movie for you. Yeah. Maybe a couple parts of the movie are going to hit where something was meant to be a surprise and you're not surprised. Oh, well, okay. Big deal. That's only a moment in a two and a half hour movie. The question is, is the movie good? Is the movie good? Because if you find out a couple of details and that ruins the movie for you again, then that means the movie wasn't very good to start with. So I wish I had better advice, Oscar, but you are required to be on social media during those days. So it's going to be very, very tough to avoid, my brother. It's going to be very tough to avoid. My best to you, and I hope you're able to do it. All right, next up. Fry Minis writes, uh, what's your favorite D&D class? That would be Ranger. That's what I'm currently playing. I'm playing a, a human Ranger character. Uh, what is your favorite D&D class? Uh, I live that bard life. If you ever, Anne's playing a bard right now, actually. If you ever come to Texas, you've got a seat at my table. Keep up the great work, Campia the Cleric. Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently playing a human Ranger whose name is Barrowin. Uh, Barrowin is the character's name. And uh, we actually haven't had a D&D session in a while, but that, that's the current, in the, in the campaign we're playing, that's who I'm currently playing. Now, I am actually getting ready to put together a new, D, uh, a new uh, role-playing game campaign, but we're not going to be playing D&D. And, and the next game we play isn't even going to be Star Wars D6 West End Games. Because remember, the last campaign I did was uh, Star Wars role-playing. I'm actually going back to an, a long out-of-print role-playing game but I came across the core rule book again, an, uh, a long out of print, but is my probably my second favorite role-playing game system of all time. And it's a game called DC Heroes. And as the name suggests, it's a superhero role-playing game, but you create your own characters, right, within, within that world. And it's based on a D10 system. Like this, the Star Wars Rest End game system is based on a D6. It doesn't use six different types of dice. They just use six-sided dice. This is a D10 system where it only uses 10-sided dice. And it's a beautifully intuitive, very, as far as the rules go, it's a very easy-to-follow game. So you're not spending most... My, I was talking to Anne about it. My one biggest complaint about Dungeons & Dragons, my one biggest complaint about Dungeons & Dragons is that it is a very complex game. And a lot of your time... When you're sitting at the table with five other people, a lot of your time that evening is spent flipping through pages of a book to double check a rule, to see what happens in this mechanic, to see what happens here, you know, in games like, whereas I kind of lean towards, and I love Dungeons and Dragons. Don't get me wrong. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I, I played a lot, but there is something inherently more fun about games like Star Wars D6 and DC Heroes D10, where it, the rules are so intuitive and so easy that the majority of your time is not spent through flipping through the rule page books, uh, the, the pages of the rule books, but rather the majority of your time is just spent playing the game. 
And there's something great about that. And so I am actually, yesterday, I started to put together my next role-playing game, which is going to be a, a, a DC Heroes. And uh, once I've got an idea about how the game is going to be, then I got to get a hold of some people to see if they want to play in it. But uh, that's that. But yes, when I play D&D, currently, my class of choice is Ranger. All right, thanks for asking, man. All right, next up, Garden Variety Vagabond writes, John, did you see reported from Insider yesterday that James Andrew Miller uh, wrote in his book Tinderbox that HBO canceled the first Game of Thrones prequel after already spending $30 million on the pilot episode? That is from Bob Greenblatt, the former chairman of Warner uh, Media Entertainment. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, that kind of went around. Now, it caused some confusion amongst people. Because we all know there's that new Game of Thrones prequel series with Matt Smith coming out. I think it's called House of the Dragon or House of House of Dragon. House of the Dragon, I think it's called, at any rate. And they already put out the first teaser for it and all that kind of stuff. And people saw these headlines. HBO cancels pilot uh, Game of Thrones prequel series after spending $30 million. And a lot of people got confused and thought that they were talking about that they canceled House of the Dragon. That's not what they did. It's about the other show that they had got going and who was it they cast it wasn't michelle williams um not michelle williams i'm trying to remember it was it was a whole second let me look this up because i know it was i know who it was it was naomi watts i knew it was it was lee of schreiber's ex i'm sorry but it wasn't michelle williams it was naomi watts so back in 2018 2019 they got rolling on another game of thrones spinoff series and naomi watts was going to be the lead of it i love naomi watts uh, and that's the one that got canceled. And yeah, you'd think after spending $30 million, why don't you, well, because it was probably going to cost them another $170 million to do it. And for whatever reason, they decided to pull the plug on it. So yeah, it's, that's an expensive failure, man. Thirty, But you'd rather have a $30 million failure than like a $180 million failure. Maybe that's what they thought that they were avoiding. All right, next up, uh, we've got uh, Goat EL writes, here in Belgium, we are gearing up for another lockdown, it seems. I hope I get to see Matrix, West Side Story, and Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, look, that is always... We are still... People forget, we are still living in the pandemic era. Now, sometimes I call it the pandemic recovery era. We are now in the pandemic recovery, but we are not post-pandemic. And now there's like a new variant that's out that's got some people freaked out and worried about and, and that the potential is always there that it could cause another problem especially with everybody thinking that oh the the pandemic is behind us everybody lets their guard down and then when people let their guard down that's when this thing can really take hold so i really hope it doesn't come to that i'm going to keep my fingers crossed i mean listen i've been very aware spider-man no way home is still what day is it today it's the fifth spider-man no way home is still 10 or 11 days away i mean there's a possible it doesn't look like it right now, but I'm just saying there's still a possibility everything in North America can get shut down again before Spider-Man No Way Home even comes out. So we will keep our fingers crossed for all of us on that, man. We will keep our fingers crossed for all of us on that. All right. Patrick writes, hey, John, uh, I'm beginning to think Clint Barton may become uh, the Uncle Ben to Kate Bishop and die. It would be a very ballsy move by the MCU to gut punch us before Christmas, but it gives Kate a ton of motivation for her future and our first big death for phase four. What do you think? Yeah, listen, that was a, a part of a lot of speculation going into it that I think a lot of people just assumed going into Hawkeye that Clint's going to die at the end of it. 
I think that was a very popular opinion. And I didn't necessarily buy into it, but I thought that that was a very strong chance too. Now, now that the show has started and we've seen Clint with his kids, his conversations with his wife and all that kind of stuff, I'm now thinking he lives. Now, he's totally still could die. He could totally still die. But I am now of the opinion that I think he's actually going to live. Now, just the way the, the, the way this show has been set up at this point. Now, they could be totally throw us a curveball by the last episode. And remember, we're already halfway through the show and have him die. And that would be pretty interesting. But I actually think he's going to live. I think he's going to live. But we'll find out. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Patrick. Uh, next up, we got Arndt Olav, who writes... And tips in like $20. Thank you, Arn, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Uh, hi, John and crew. Love the show. Thank you so much. I just wanted to brag getting my No Way Home tickets for the 15th here in Norway. Good, Ani. You guys are seeing it before we are. Uh, still over 200 available tickets at the first screening at my theater. Uh, maybe cheaper to fly here, see it early rather than buying from eBay. And of course, that's a reference to what we were talking about. I think it might have been on Thursday's show where, you know, there were some people listing tickets for Spider-Man No Way Home on eBay for like $25,000. I saw some tickets selling in the thousands. I didn't see anything selling for over 5000 let alone 25000 But I actually did see a couple sell in the thousands, like $1,500. Like I saw a couple go for that. I guess it depends what city you're in for anything. But yes, it would actually end up being cheaper to hop on a plane, fly to Norway, and see it there than it would be to buy one of those ones off eBay. Well pointed out, Art. And I hope you have a good time when you get to see it before us. All right, next up. Dan VFX writes, Hey, John, I took my wife uh, to her first movie in two months last night to see Encanto. Very nice. Such a great and fun movie. The songs were excellent. Only second to Tick, Tick, Boom. But the reason I am commenting is the Pixar short before the movie had my wife in tears. Right now, I don't believe that was a Pixar short. Because remember, Encanto is not a Pixar movie. It is a Disney animation movie. Remember, there are two different animation studios under Disney. There's Disney Animation and there's Pixar. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Encanto is a Disney animation film, which means the short that played before it is also a Disney animated short. I believe. Now, I could be wrong about that. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't love it. The one with the raccoons, I think it was called Far From the Tree. I'm not going to lie. I didn't love it. I thought it was cute. But like when you look at some of the recent ones they had, especially Bao, B-A-O, by, I believe it's the same girl. I think the same girl who directed, good Canadian girl, by the way, who directed Bao also is directing the upcoming full-length movie, uh, uh, what's it called, Red Panda? Or Being Red? Or Seeing Red? What is the actual name of it? Hold on a second. Let me look that up. What's it called again? Turning Red. <laughs> Being Red? Having Red? No, no. Turning Red is the name of it. Like when you look at that, like, the Pixar shorts are iconic, right from still one of the best ones ever done was the old man playing chess in the park, like all the way from that. They're just so good. And then bow was so good. So yeah, I liked far from the tree. I thought it was very cute. Although myself, I, I didn't think it was on that same level, but then again, it might've been Pixar, but I think it might've been a Disney animation short, not a Pixar short. Could be wrong about that. Anyway, overall, I really enjoyed Encanto as well. So I'm glad you did too. I had a really, really good time with that movie. All right, next up, we have Pepper Jack who writes, if Variety's article is true, it cuts into the argument that the day date diminishes returns. 
not at all actually it actually it, it actually in uh in uh, not encourages it it actually enforces it uh there is a big segment of the movie going public that will only buy into films if they are released on streaming uh this 49% would not have gone to the theaters anyway oh that's completely nonsense that's completely nonsense absolutely nonsense look that that is bad math right there and it's making a wildly unfounded assumption so we talked i believe it was on friday's show about the a variety of article that came out that said right now 49% of moviegoers like people who were moviegoers prior to the pandemic have still not gone back to the movies yet and a lot of them are for spider-man no way home but now what pepper jack is suggesting here is that well that means that the day and date releases for movies hasn't actually hurt the movies. It's all that 49% and that's complete bunk. That is complete bunk. If that were the case, then movies that are getting day and date releases on HBO max and things like that would not have proportionally significantly smaller box office numbers than their relative counterparts that are just getting theatrical exclusive releases. Like if they were all just coming out and all making proportionally the rough same amount of money, well then that might suggest that, oh, the day and date releases isn't doing anything to it. But the very fact of the matter that you're getting some movies coming out that are getting theatrical exclusives making X amount of dollars And certainly this movie coming out should have been expected to make equal to or more than that, but it's getting a day and day release premiering the same day on HBO Max and then making significantly less than that. That completely, you know, counter uh, contradicts that entire theory. So no, Pepper Jack, that's that's not true at all. Not in the least. All right. Next up, Patrick writes. Clint Barton clearly has the best wife in the MCU. Clearly he does. I don't think most husbands could be on a mission with ScarJo and now Haley Steinfeld without some major questioning by their ladies. Oh, no, listen, I don't know. understand why there's this theory out there that, oh, my, look, I think you have a fundamentally unhealthy relationship if one of you in that relationship just being around an attractive person of the other sex threatens you, then you have a fundamentally unhealthy relationship just to start with. Like, oh yeah, my, my, my wife has work cohorts. <gasps> One of her work cohorts that she has to spend time with is a handsome guy. Oh, listen, if you feel that way, then there is something wrong with your relationship to start with. There is something fundamentally wrong with your relationship. And I, I say that as John Campy, a love doctor. Yeah. If you feel pangs of nervousness and jealousy, then that means you have no secure. You don't feel any security in your relationship. You have no trust in your relationship. Because if you have trust in your relationship, like if you think the, my my relationship only exists as long as my partner doesn't come across a better option, then you've got a really fucked up relationship. If your entire relationship is based on the premise that my partner is with me only as long as they don't find somebody a little bit better than me, then you've got a completely screwed up relationship. (laughs) So no, I think Clint Barton's got the best partner in the, in comic book movies because of how utterly supportive they are, not just of them as a person, but of what they do. Like, that's why I think they're great anyway. All right. Next up. Uh, Anthony B writes, 
With the D&D film still in the works, as well as the success of The Witcher and Wheel of Time, and potentially Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones prequel, do you feel that Dungeons & Dragons is better suited for success in film, series, or both formats? Either. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's a non-sequitur, really. The, the whole idea is this. Neither matters. You, you either have material and a storyteller with the skill to tell a good story, or you don't. If you have good material with a storyteller who knows how to tell the story, a D&D project will work great as a movie and it will work great as a series. If you have a either questionable material or a storyteller that doesn't really know how to convey that story, then it's not going to work in either. Like, so I, I really don't, I don't, it's, it's like the question, do you think two hour movies are better or two and a half hour movies are better? Well, that's a, that's a non-question. It, it, it assumes that there's relevance to the length of the film when it doesn't. Every movie has its own unique runtime that works best for it. There are 90-minute comedies that's like if it was one minute longer, it would have felt too long. There are one hour and 45-minute dramas that if they were one minute longer, it would have been too long. There are two and a half hour dramas that if they were one minute shorter, it would have been too short for it. Every story has a unique runtime that is best for it. So asking, you know, um, are two hour movies better, two and a half hour movies better? It's, it's, it's the wrong question. Would a D&D thing work better as a movie or as a TV series? Well, it depends on the story. A lot of great D&D stories you could tell would work much better in a movie format. Maybe there are some D&D stories you could tell that might work better in a series format. But there is, it's like saying, what has better sunny Saturdays, June or July? Well, what's the temperature of the Saturdays? If they're the same temperature, then it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? So to me, it's not an issue. This, the, the only question is, can you get a good story and then a storyteller knows how to tell it well? If you do, it'll work either as a movie or as a series. If you don't, it ain't going to work in either. All right. Next up, uh, Bane910 writes, on Hawkeye episode three, I believe that was Kingpin's hand uh, pinching Echo's cheek, that Kingpin, his uncle. Uh, do you think they could use Vincent D'Onofrio, but they modify his look to make him a variant of Wilson Fisk without dealing with the baggage from the Daredevil series? That is exactly what my theory is right now. My theory right now is 100% completely that... We're getting Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. And by the way, I don't know that he is. I, that's just me believing that as a fan. It, it could happen. It might not. Okay, don't don't run around. Campia says it's D'Onofrio. It's official. No, no, that's just me as a fan speculating like everybody else. But my, my personal theory and belief is this, is that we're going to get Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin in this. We're going to get Charlie Cox in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. But neither will be the kingpin or the daredevil that we knew in the Netflix series. I think that entire Netflix series is gone. It's gone. It's, it's, we're going to have kingpin, but it's not that specific kingpin. It's a totally new kingpin, but he's still kingpin and still being played by Vincent D'Onofrio, but it's not that Vincent D'Onofrio. So the things that happened to that Vincent D'Onofrio kingpin in the Daredevil series haven't happened to this one yet or will happen to this one. It'll be different. He's still the kingpin, but it's going to be different. Same thing with Charlie Cox. That's my theory right now. So I'm completely on board with what it is you're suggesting there, uh, Bay 910. That's exactly where my head's at. 
Okay, next up we've got Orange Grove 55 who writes, Disney seems to do best when there isn't just one person on the throne. Iger is an anomaly. Example, Walt Roy, Eisner, Frank Wells, the Susan Arnold decision was brilliant, and I think Disney will benefit greatly from it. Yeah, listen, so of course that was a big thing. The last number of tons of years, there has been one grand supreme emperor above all at Disney. It was Bob Iger. Bob Iger basically had... I mean, not literally, but essentially had complete autonomy to run Disney. He was not only the CEO, he was also the chairman of the board. He answered to nobody. Essentially, I mean, you say, well, he still has to answer the board. They still have to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But essentially, he answered to no one. Now, of course, Bob Iger is stepping down. He already stepped down as CEO, and that position was given to Bob Chapek. But then the big question was going to be, who would be replacing him as chairman? And now we know. And having uh, Susan Arnold take over. Now, some people were very surprised. Some people really thought they would just give it also to Bob Chapek. And really, there was nothing to indicate that it was going to be Chapek. A bunch of websites and people were saying he was the front runner to be it. But I have seen nothing to substantiate that Bob Chapek was the front runner to become the chairman of the board uh, at Disney. I, I'd see, but maybe he was, but I had, I, so it's very possible he was, I just have personally seen nothing to substantiate that, but yeah, it does change the dynamic now of Disney. Disney for the last decade, whatever has been under the rule of one person. One person has been the guiding principle and philosophy of the entire company. And that was Bob Iger. It is no longer going to be that way. Bob Chapek is CEO. He will run the day-to-day of, Dis- of, of Disney, the day-to-day business of Disney, but he now has to answer to a new boss. And that's going to create a new dynamic. It's it's a fundamentally different way for Disney to operate now than it has for the last longest time. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. And I agree. I think it's probably a good way for them to do it. And and that Bob Iger is, Big Papa Iger is a rare anomaly. So uh, I think you're, I personally think you're right, Orange Grove. And we'll see how this all goes. All right. Next up, we've got an anonymous viewer who writes, I think early Oscar noms for Garfield and Miranda uh, for Tick, Tick, Boom, that's Lynn manuel Miranda, for Tick, Tick, Boom, and Will Smith for King Richard. Do you have others? Again, it is too early. Uh, honestly, until December 31st hits, I really believe it is too early to start through handing out Oscar nominations. Now, do I believe Andrew Garfield's going to get an Oscar nomination for Tick, Tick, Boom? Yes. Do I believe Will Smith is going to get an Oscar nomination for uh, uh, for King Richard? Yes. But even then, I don't like calling that out because it's just too early. Let's get to the end of the year when all the eligible films have actually come out because it's usually in that last little stretch, that last month that uh, big things, big surprises come out and hit you. So, so we'll see. All right. Craig Dukas writes, just trying to fill in the blank. Amy Pascal, Spider-Man will not be part of MCU phase four, assuming she realizes she better not discuss MCU without Feige. I mean, who knows? Of course, you know, that was the big thing. Everybody, you know, it was really crazy that when Amy Pascal made those comments, half of the outlets edited out that very important part of her comment. She was talking about how hey, this isn't the last movie we're going to do with Marvel. We want to make the the next one with Tom and Marvel. And then they all printed that part of the quote and they all, not all of them, but half of them edited out right in the middle of that quote. She said, it's just not going to be a part of, and then she paused, caught herself, 
stopped herself from saying whatever she was about to say, and then kind of went off in a different direction. Now, the thing is, though, the day after that happened, the Hollywood Reporter said that their Sony sources have told them, their people at Sony have told them that there have there are no plans yet. I was told by somebody at Sony, granted, it's somebody who who isn't high enough in the rankings to maybe know for sure. So take that with a giant grain of salt. I was told by somebody at Sony that I have no idea what she's talking about. Like no idea what Amy Pascal is talking about. So between the Hollywood Reporter with their sources saying, yeah, no, there are no plans at this point. And what I heard from somebody at Sony, granted, they're, they're not like an executive vice president at Sony. So maybe, you know, so maybe they just simply don't know. But... Between those things, I think it throws a lot of it into chaos, and we should probably just set everything that Amy Pascal said aside and wait for more information to come out either way. All right, next up. Uh, MD writes, I was pleasantly surprised this past weekend to see The Last Duel available on Disney Plus here in the UK. I had no idea it was going on there. Quite liked it, didn't love it, but enjoyed it enough, and I and I didn't mind the format too much. Yeah, listen, I quite enjoyed The Last Duel as well. The newest Ridley, not the newest, House of Gucci is the newest, but uh, one of the new Ridley Scott films, um, Andrew Driver, uh, Jody uh, Comer, um, uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. I think it's a solid movie. I just wasn't a fan of the format. That whole storytelling device of retelling the story three different times from three different perspectives. It's a format that can and has worked very well in some other films. I just didn't feel it worked well for this film. So I still overall liked it. I just, you know, kind of didn't love it. But I think the the fundamentals of the movie are great. The story is great. The performances are wonderful. I still liked it overall. I'm glad you did too, MD. All right, next up. We got an anonymous viewer who writes, Hey, John. Who do you think will lead the Avengers going forward? Don't care. Uh, from what I see, they are setting up Spider-Man to leave somehow. Absolutely not. Um, also, maybe Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, Wolverine. Would love to hear thoughts. It's completely irrelevant, to be honest with you, Anonymous, but it won't be Spider-Man for a very, very important reason. And it's not because I don't even know that Spider-Man's going to be in the MCU per se, Again, just throw out everything named Pascal said. I mean, he very well could still be in the MCU, but that's not even the reason. The reason is this. He's not a leader. He's literally a high school kid. He's literally a high school kid with no experience leading anybody or anything. Why would Dr. Strange follow a high school kid. I mean, you just see from the trailer, there's a power order there and Spider-Man ain't at the top of that food chain. You think, you think Rhodey, War Machine, an Air Force military commander, you think he's going to follow battlefield strategy orders from a high school kid? I mean, for heaven's sakes, Peter Parker up until this point hasn't even been able to make it without Tony Stark giving him all of his toys. And listen, I I am not saying this bashing the Tom Holland Spider-Man. I love the Tom Holland Spider-Man. I'm a big fan of Homecoming and Far From Home, and I'm really excited about No Way Home. But that makes zero sense. This high school kid who still has to call Tony Stark, Mr. Stark, who they... That's the leader of the Avengers? How's he going to call out? Like, when you look back to the original Avengers movie, 
in that great scene, you know, that iconic circular shot as the camera pans around the Avengers all standing back to back in New York, right? And then Captain America, a U.S. military commander who has been in the field and commanded troops in the field. Now they're on the scene, now calling out the battle orders, knowing exactly what Tony needs to do, knowing exactly what Thor needs to do, what what Clint needs to do, and calling out orders and people following his commands. You think this high school kids know how to do any of that? No. No, he's a high school kid. So no, I do not see in any way, shape, or form, Spider-Man being the leader of the Avengers. Not in a universe that's going to have Reed Richards in it. Here's what I found. Oop, for some reason, my watch thought I was talking to it. Uh, not in a universe where that has Reed Richards in it. Not in a universe where Doctor Strange is there. Not in a universe where, like, all these, like, where, again, I said Rhodey would 10 times out of 10 be picked as the leader of the Avengers over a kid who has no idea about battle tactics and strategy and how to engage the enemy and... And he's a high school kid, so no, it's I know no idea who it's going to be, and honestly, I think it's kind of a moot question. I don't I don't think it's relevant, but I do not believe in any way, shape, or form it'll be Spider Man. There's no way that this inexperienced high school kid uh, that doesn't know how to to be a field leader at all becomes Spider Man. No, I I mean becomes the leader of the Avengers. I don't see it at all. All right, that's just me though. All right, next up, Diego writes. My MCU crew um, has been to every movie opening night since the first Avengers. Nice. I was not going to let them down and was able to get nine tickets for IMAX opening night, 6.30 p.m. on the 16th. Nice. Cannot come soon enough. I think it's going to be a special night. I do too, man. I Listen, I you never know. The movie could absolutely suck. It could be terrible, just like every movie could be terrible totally. But. John Watts has not given me any reason to doubt that he can pull off this movie. Even just looking in this world, he did a terrific job with Homecoming. He did a terrific job with Spider-Man Far From Home. I don't believe that he or Kevin Feige have given us any reason to doubt that they're going to deliver the goods with Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, everybody's got a bad day at the office. Maybe this movie will be that. But until I see otherwise, I'm going into this movie believing it's going to be a really good time. And I am with you, Diego. I think this is absolutely going to be a really special night. All right. Next up, we got Super Humble Fan writes, one of four. Uh, Kind of bummed that No Way Home's ending is so obvious after the trailer. You know what? Whenever people think something is obvious, it usually doesn't end up being what they think it was going to be. Anyway, kind of bummed that No Way Home's ending is so obvious after the trailer. Andrew obviously saves MJ. Not necessarily. I mean, I think so, but it may very well not happen. And she immediately falls in love with this older slash hotter slash more effective hero. They obviously leave together to Andrew's universe and have many spider babies. I like where this is going. Uh, Holland effing loses it, obviously, and uses the magic box thingy. I like that you call it a thingy. The magic box thingy to find another universe with another Zendaya, which ends up being the Spunk, the Sony universe, obviously. He becomes best buddies with Craven, obviously, and they form a business venture that has the sole purpose of hunting Spider-Men older than 18 from all universes and feeding them to their annoying amigo Venom. They eventually find Garfield and manipulate him uh, slowly or mutilate him slowly 
but spare Toby because he looks exactly like Holland's dead uncle, obviously, and has engaged in some high-intensity bedroom rodeo with Holland's hot auntie. Why not? If Cap can play the family pond, play in the family pond, of course Captain America did. Uh, my boy Toby surely can too. The end, Morbius is just chilling, by the way. I, You know what? Super humble fan, you're right. I think you nailed it. I think everybody knows that's exactly how this is going to go down. I love the way you kind of put all that together. That was great. Listen, but but in all seriousness, I am very curious to see how um, Morbius, how Craven the Hunter, how all these things are actually going actually to come into play here. I am curious to find out if it's actually going to be Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man that saves Zendaya when she's falling. I, you know what? I really believed it would be. I'm starting to doubt it now, but you know, we'll see once the movie comes out. But I love how intricately detailed you went into that, dude. Well done. All right. Next up, Kyle writes, um, do you think Toby could be in No Way Home, but not Andrew? We keep lumping them together, but maybe it's just one. Nah, I, I think it's both or neither. And honestly, look, it's both. It's going to be both. Uh, if it was going to be just one, I actually think it would be Andrew. If it was going to be just one, it would be Andrew, not Toby. But honestly, I think it's I think it's pretty clear it's, it's going to be both of them at this point. All right. Next up, we've got Aspiring Screenwriter, who tips in $20. Thank you, Aspiring Screenwriter, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Uh, Disney, blah, blah, let me try that again. Disney may not be able to fire Chapek right away. Oh, of course they can. They can fire him anytime they want. Uh, depending on the contract Disney has with Chapek, Chapek may be around for a while. If Disney fires Chapek before the contract ends, Disney may face financial penalties for breaching the contract. Oh, but that's that's common. That is not unusual at all. I mean, just look. I like drawing parallels to sports because sports, the world of sports just gives us really simple analogies for it. But just look, uh, sports teams fire their coaches all the time before their contracts are up. But they're just on the hook to, they're going to have to pay him out the rest of his contract, right? This happens all the time. It happens in college sports too. I can't remember which one it was, but one of the college coaches just got lost their job not long ago, but the university was on the hook for paying them for their salary for the next two years. Corporations do it all the time. They do it all the time. And Disney's not worried about what Bob Chapek's like, listen, they're they're not going to not fire Bob Chapek because they'll have to pay out the, the remaining of his of his contract. That ain't going to stop them from firing him. If they want to fire Bob Chapek, they will fire him, cut him a check for what he still owed, and then move on to the next CEO. It's just what they'll do. They're not worried. This is not an amount of money that is going to worry Disney in the least. And if they keep Bob Chapek, it isn't going to be because they're just afraid of having to cut a check. They're going to keep him because they believe he needs a fair chance to do the job. And as critical as I have been of Bob Chapek, fairly so, I believe. I believe I've been completely fair in my criticism of Bob Chapek. But even in all of my criticism of Bob Chapek, I still believe we, one, have to keep in mind that he took over the job under incredibly impossible circumstances in the midst of the pandemic. All their movies sitting on shelves. They can't be in production. The movie theaters are closed and they had to close all the parks. That's the environment Bob Chapek had to take over this job. So number one, I believe he took over the job in impossible circumstances. Number two, I believe you got to give the guy at least three years to really show, to give him a chance to implement his vision. 
And then after three years, if he's shown that his vision is not working, whatever, then you pull the plug and you replace him. But I believe you got to give him a chance. So I believe if they do not fire him soon, it isn't because they're afraid to cut him a check. It's simply it's simply because they believe he has not been really given a fair opportunity yet to show what he can do. So that, that's what I think at any rate. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, aspiring screenwriter. All right, next up, Willow writes, Has Ray ever tried one of your infamous peanut butter, butter, and mayonnaise sandwiches? I do not believe he has. If not, maybe you can make one for him for the next wager the two of you had. Yeah, I don't think he and I are going to be having any bets anytime soon. Um, but you know what? I think he would probably try if I whipped together a peanut butter, butter, and mayonnaise sandwich, which is something I used to make when I was in school. When I was in, when I was in grade school and I would come over for lunch, I would just whip together a peanut butter, butter, and mayonnaise sandwich. I haven't had it in a long time, but I used to love those things, but I'm not going to make Ray do it. Cause I don't think we're going to be having any of those bets anytime soon. Willow. All right. Next up, Eddie Valerio writes, John. I've been listening for 10 years now. Amazing, Eddie. Thank you for being around for so long, dude. Uh, And finally can ask my first question. Well, I'm glad you are. Did you see Richard Madden's publicist make him skip answering questions about the possibility of being cast as the next James Bond? Anything to this or don't read into it? Don't read into it. There could literally be a thousand reasons for that. Um, Literally, it could be the publicist doesn't, doesn't want to um, entertain false ideas about his client being in James Bond and then have it be perceived as a failure on his part if he doesn't get the role. So that's something the publicist would be very aware of. Um, secondly, if he is in the running to be James Bond, then he just doesn't want to, you know, nix his possibilities of becoming it. So that, so you can make up reasons or excuses either way. We as fans are always trying to find meaning in everything. And we're usually, myself included, we're usually 100% wrong when we go on that hunt. So there are a million possibilities why, you know, Madden's publicist is saying, you know what, don't even field questions about James Bond anymore. Number one, it might just be because the whole James Bond conversation is dominating all the conversations with Richard Madden right now. And there's no focus being given to his actual work that he's doing at the moment. You know, and again, I think it's equally possible that he's not in the running to get to be James Bond. And if he keeps entertaining these questions, then when somebody else is announced as James Bond, people are going to say, Oh, why did Richard Madden lose out on it? Well, he was never in the running for it. It was never, he didn't lose out on it. He was never one of the guys. He wasn't trying for it. Or it could be that, you know, he is in the running to be James Bond and they don't want to mess it up. I mean, so it could go either way. Honestly, I wouldn't read anything into it. I, I wouldn't worry about it at all, to be honest with you, Eddie. Good question, though, man. All right, next up. Uh, Ray writes, one of four. Hey, John, been a fan since 2011. Thank you so much for being us. Another one who's been around for like 10 years or more. Thank you, Ray. Uh, you're the man. I just wanted to express how insanely excited I am for No Way Home. Uh, you and a lot of people, dude. I was six years old when I saw the original Spider-Man movie in theaters and have seen every additional entry after that. Uh, they left such a huge impact on me as a kid growing up. That trilogy to me is kind of like Star Wars to you. I don't even think three is as bad as most people think, but that's just me. You know what? I don't think three is as bad as most. I still think it's bad. I I personally still think three is bad, but I don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be anyway. um, But that's just me. Anyway, 
If Toby ends up being in the film, I am literally going to cheer. And I'm usually pretty reserved uh, when watching movies. But even if he's not, being able to see the iconic villains in, in Osborne and Doc Ock come back one more time is crazy to me. I never in a million years would have ever thought that I'd see these characters come back at all. Thank God for the multiverse. I was able to secure my tickets within the hour they became available. Nice. You're one of the lucky ones, dude. I'm dying of anticipation. Keep up the great work. Loving having, I love having Kim and Ray with an A uh, on the show. Hope the movie is fantastic. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Anonymous. And listen, I think, first of all, you kind of encapsulate what it is to be an excited film fan. And non-hardcore film fans just, they will never get it. Like, when we as hardcore film fans start to lose our minds about certain movies, whether it's losing our minds about a new James Bond coming out or losing our minds about another Mission Impossible or losing our minds about another MCU movie or losing our minds about another Star Wars movie. You know, it's just, it's it's the type of enthusiasm and excitement that only those of our ilk will ever truly get, right? And yeah, man, if you grew up watching those Spider-Man movies, then this is like a borderline religious experience, right? With No Way Home coming out, The Promise. I mean, obviously, Toby and Andrew and Doc Ock and Willem Dafoe. And it's just, it's just, it is a blockbuster milestone event. And it is the first blockbuster milestone event we've had in the movies in years. In years. Since the last Star Wars movie came out. And I don't even like the last Star Wars movie, but since the last Star Wars, that was the last time we've had like a legitimate industry-altering major blockbuster event film come out. All due respect to Shang-Chi and Black Widow and Fast 9, but those ain't it. Spider-Man No Way Home is. And you just beautifully kind of captured the excitement I think a lot of people are feeling, man. So thanks for sharing that. I'm glad you're that excited, man. I really am. All right, next up, Tom G. writes, The funny thing about Disney's new chairperson, Susan Arnold, is that my manager's name is also Susan Arnold. If you want Chapek gone, I've got connections. Yeah, Susan Arnold's not the most unique name in the world, is it? Uh, but again, listen, uh, as much as I have been extremely critical of Bob Chapek, and again, I personally believe fairly so, uh, you still got to understand that Again, he took over in impossible circumstances and you got to give him enough time to actually show what he can do, a good or bad. So we'll see how it goes. But I'll keep you in mind, Tom. If I get really frustrated with him, I'll know who to call. All right. Next up, Storm and Norman writes, I think the perfect fit to direct a Halo movie is Paul Verhoeven. Uh, give me some Starship Troopers mixed with Total Recall. Ooh, I think that sounds terrible. <laughs> I think that sounds terrible, to be honest with you. Can you imagine the mind of Ver Verhoeven uh, bringing Master Chief to the Briggs screen would be insane. Listen, you know how I feel about that though. There is no such thing as the perfect person to direct anything. X director and X role, just get a talented director and see what they can do. Like nobody would have thought, everybody thinks they know who'd be perfect to direct. Listen, nobody would have thought, nobody thought going into Spider-Man or Spider-Man, nobody thought going into Captain America Winter Soldier was going to become to some people, maybe the greatest comic book film. Like, there are some people today who believe that Winter Soldier is like the greatest comic book movie ever made. I'm not one of them, but it is one of the greats. And a lot of, there are not a lot of people out there who think it might be the best comic book movie ever made. Nobody expected that when you had the directors of You, Me, and Dupree coming in to do it. 
the, these two guys, these two brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo, the directors of You, Me, and Dupree. These are the guys that are doing this next big Captain America movie. And yet, now look at it. It's considered by some. So I don't believe there's a perfect person to do this. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think Verhoeven is, is, is a good fit for um for a halo movie i i don't personally think that's a good fit but then again you never know see how it turns out all right thanks for writing that in storm and norman all right next up uh the super review show writes hey john big fan of the john campia show thank you so much dude so my family still has cable tv but would love to be 100 percent streaming only we watch live baseball and other shows that cable only has do you see an increase in different streaming platform offerings for sports or local news? Thanks. Yeah, it is inevitable. But listen, I have been a cord cutter for probably a decade or more. You can get all that stuff now through a lot of different services. There are a lot of different services that will give you your cable television channels, but in a streaming platform. Hulu has live TV. Uh, there's a popular one called Sling. I was a customer of Sling for a long time. Sling is a very, very good service uh, that gets you all your local channels and TV networks and gets you all your sports and everything too. Uh, another really good one, although it's a little expensive, but is YouTube TV. I currently, that's the one I currently use. I currently use YouTube TV and I'm very happy with it. Like I might start looking for, for other alternatives again, but right now I'm very, very happy with YouTube TV. The fact that it's got like all the networks that I want to watch, the fact that it's it's searchable, the fact that I can go and say, look for Yellowstone, and it'll show me like the last five episodes of Yellowstone. I can just go and pick the episode I want to watch and away I go. So if you want to really become a cord cutter, but you're just kind of nervous about losing out on like sports, a lot most of these places will have ESPN and Fox Sports and all the other things as well. So I would look very heavily into Sling TV, YouTube TV, and Hulu Live, Hulu Live TV. Look into those three things. I think you might find something that works for you. Good luck in that search, man. All right, next up. Um, Prodigal's Son writes, Hey, John, my good peeps, how many different Doctor Stranges do you think there are in this movie? I've counted two in the trailer. Over under 75%, there's more than two. I don't even think there's two in the trailer. Now, I don't know that because I already said there's a bunch, there's a number of things. I already know more about the new Spider-Man movie. And I've seen more of the new Spider-Man movie than I want to. But I can honestly tell you, I do not know that there isn't more than just one Doctor Strange. I've only, when it comes to that, I don't know. But I don't believe we've seen more than one Doctor Strange in the trailers. I honestly, right now, I think there's only going to be one. It's very possible, though, very possible, there could be multiple Doctor Stranges in this. I personally think it's just going to be one. So since you're asking over under 75%, I'm going to go like under 20%. So I'm going to go, I'm going to take the under on 75. It's not impossible, though. I'm not definitively saying there won't be. I'm just saying right now, my guess is that there's only going to be one Doctor Strange in the movie. But... What you're suggesting is absolutely possible. All right, next up. Eddie Burton writes, Gotta ask, thoughts on the Baldwin interview? I don't care. Um, I've heard different opinions. Personally, I felt Baldwin was justified to speak out on the incident and did it in a classy and genuine way. Giving context to the sad events that occurred, did you see it? Nope, not interested. Look, I am interested in the fact that a storyteller, a filmmaker lost their lives doing what they loved and we love them doing. 
And so when that incident happened, we talked about it on the show. And if there's ever an official report that definitively says the findings of our investigation are as follows, maybe we'll talk about that on the show. But until then, like so-and-so speaks out. And so uh, to me, that's just outside the purview of what we do here on the show. That's more of a topic for a true crime podcast and not really what we do here. So listen, I like Alec Baldwin and everything. I'm not the biggest fan in the world of Alec Baldwin, but uh, I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested. I'm not saying I believe he's guilty of anything at all in the world, nor am I saying that I think he's completely innocent of anything. At all. I, I don't know. I don't care at this point. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe get a little bit interested once there are some official findings and everything, but until then, honestly, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not all that interested, not all that interested. But the one thing I will say that I thought was interesting was prior to the Alec Baldwin thing for a while, I think it was the assistant director on the movie had said on the record that Alec Baldwin never even had his finger on the trigger of the gun. And that is uh, the the little loop where the trigger is. He never even had his finger in there at all. And a lot of people are like, well, and then the one thing I read about Alec Baldwin's interview was that he said, he stated he never actually pulled the trigger on the gun, which is actually consistent with what the assistant director had said earlier. So I find that interesting, but no, I'm not, I, I'm not interested enough to actually watch the interview. It's, it's just not something that I care about all that much. Obviously I care that this young woman died, but I don't care about what the details are that went into it. And, and when an official report comes out, maybe then we'll give it some time. But until then, just being, just being honest, Eddie, I'm not, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being interested in it. I know a lot of people are very, very interested in this, and that's great. I'm just not one of them. That's all. Anyway, thanks for asking the question, though, Eddie. All right. Gordon Ramsay writes, did I just see you on Kitchen Nightmares? Yes, you did. Ann and I were on Kitchen Nightmares once. Uh, how was the food? The food was excellent. Now, fortunately, the part of Kitchen Nightmares that we were on was in the after you know there's the before how terrible the restaurant is and then after gordon ramsay whips it into shape shape so that's the part that we were on and the food was excellent gotta tell you i thought the food was excellent it was this little place in glendale it was an italian place in glendale i'm trying to remember the name of it but at any rate yes and we got to meet gordon ramsay that night it was a really fun night really really fun night all right next up james lockman writes one of two Hey, John, remember back in 2019 when the studios decided to release Far From Home, Endgame, and Midsommar with extra footage? Yes, uh, even when it was still currently playing in theaters. Do you think they'll try that again with No Way Home? No, I don't. I certainly hope not. Just give us the entire movie. Just give us what we paid for. But if they do, will you and Ray do a release ticket watch, a re-release ticket watch? LOL. No, we will not. Oh, God, man, I'd almost forgotten about that, James. That, that was awful. That was awful. I hated that. And before the pandemic hit, they, a bunch of stews are trying to do it. Like, hey, we're releasing the movie. And then like a month later, now we're re-releasing it again with new extra footage. And it's like, you assholes. So you decided, let's not give them the entire movie that they're paying for. Let's hold some back. And then let's release the movie and let's put out a new version of it in a month so they have to buy another ticket again to come back to see the four extra minutes of footage. I hated that. I thought that was despicable. I'm a big fan of Disney, but I hated that they were participating in that like completely. So, no, I have heard nothing that anybody's going to try to pull that bullshit again. 
and I will look, I'm I'm not into boycotts or anything like that, but I will in if any studio tries to do that again. Now look, it's different if like a year later, like on the anniversary of X movie being out, we're gonna re-release it in theaters and just as a special treat, we're gonna add like a three-minute deleted scene or something. Like that's different. But it's when it when it's still in its basic theatrical window and you're pulling that kind of garbage. I'm not going to organize boycotts, but I will on my show encourage people, look, don't encourage this behavior. Don't go out and buy a ticket to this. Just don't encourage that behavior. So I hated that, and I hope it's not something that they do again. And I don't think they will. I don't think they will, James. At least I hope not. All right, Storm and Norman writes, very excited for Matrix 4, and I'm hoping that it's a good thing that only one of the Wachowskis has returned. That trailer was fantastic. The trailer was fantastic. I completely agree with you, Storm and Norman. Uh, that trailer was fantastic. Neo and Trinity were wrecking shit. Motorcycles, helicopters, rocket launchers, jumping off buildings. Yes, take my money. Now, look, you guys know I have no excitement for Matrix 4. Matrix Resurrections. I have no excitement for it. I don't personally see any reason to be excited for it. The Matrix, which is an all-time classic, dropped in quality until you got to the third one, which almost nobody liked. I like the second one more than most people, but a lot of people didn't like the second one. I, I did, but it was a big step down from the first one, and then the third one was another huge step down. And then I think the Wachowskis have put out some of the worst films in the last decade. And now only one of the Wachowskis is coming back. So I don't see any reason. I don't see any solid, firm argument about why I should be excited for this Matrix movie. I, I just don't. But that trailer was awesome. I'm not, I, 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 even I can't deny that trailer was great. So I will keep my fingers crossed that it's wonderful and that's fantastic and that's great. I'm just saying I'm not going into it with very high expectations. And maybe that's a good thing. So I don't know, for your sake, Stormin' and for mine, I do hope the movie is awesome. So let's see how that goes. All right. Next up, uh, Angela Dashner writes in and writes, sends in like a $50 tip. Thank you, Angela. Always been such a great supporter of our show. Thank you so much, Angela. Angela writes, part one of four. I'm so excited to share with you. We contacted the city and our city gave us a family. Oh, talking about uh, adoptive family. Awesome. Because of COVID and traveling, this is the first time all my sons and their families can be home in four years. Uh, so excited that they... They all want to be a part of this. So my family is adopting the family. So excited to make a family a better holiday. Uh, this year, when we are all together, we we get to also do our favorite thing, which is our Christmas tradition of going to the movies. That's awesome. That's my family's tradition too. Like obviously, I haven't been able, I haven't been home in two years because of the COVID thing and all that kind of stuff. But our Christmas tradition is like when Ann and I go visit, we I always take my family out to go to a movie. We get my mom, my dad, my siblings. We'll go out for a night at the movies. Always enjoy that stuff. Um, we are all going to see Spider-Man No Way Home in AMC and Dolby Prime. That is awesome, Angela. Um, that said three or four. There was no four or four. Anyway, uh, first of all, Angela, thank you so much for continuing to support our channel on that level. That's incredibly. And thank you so much for adopting a family. The whole reason why every year Ann and I talk about adopt family. Like, look, there's lots of stuff Ann and I do every year and we don't talk about it. But adopt a family every year is something that is so easy to get involved in. It makes such a big impact on people. 
Uh, it's something you can do by yourself and something you can get a bunch of friends together to all go in on together. And of course, what you guys have done to help us with our adoptive family this year is beyond crazy. But the whole reason we do is we want to encourage people to do it themselves. Adopt a family. Get a hold of your local municipality. Adopt a family for Christmas and really give a family one good day. Just one wonderful, fantastic day that shows them that the world cares. Anyway, that being said, I'm so glad that you're doing that, Angela. Thanks for doing that. I'm glad you're doing it with your whole family. And I hope you guys have a great time when you go to see Spider-Man No Way Home together as a family. That's awesome. All right. Last question of the day, guys. We've got one here from Robbo who writes, Hey, John, Ray, and Kim. Well, obviously, Ray and Kim aren't here right now. I just wanted to say your show means the world to me. Thank you so much for that, Robbo. Uh, thank you. By the way, my brother's name is Rob. A lot of guys didn't know. I have a brother. I have two sisters and a brother. I'm the oldest. Then I have two sisters, Heather and Sandy. And then I have the youngest of us is my brother, Robert. And my brother is a, a great man. Um, my sisters are great women. I, I, I'm very lucky. I have some wonderful siblings that I don't, I don't talk to very much, to be honest with you. Because I'm not a good communicator. I'm not, I mean, I'm a great public communicator, but I, I'm not a phone talker. I'm not a phone talker. I think I get that from my dad. Like, I, I don't talk to people on the phone. Um, and so like, I will go a year or more between talking to my siblings and then I get to go home and visit and it's great. But yeah, anyway, my, so my brother's name is Rob. My brother's name is Rob. Anyway, uh, just wanted to say your show means the world to me. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to ask your thoughts on Die Hard. Is it a Christmas film or not? Well, we addressed that at the beginning of this video. I've always thought it's a Christmas. It's Christmas as a genre, but not in spirit. Your thoughts. I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't divide it. Look, I have no problem with people. If you want to consider, I have no problem. If you want to consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, it's not. It has nothing to do with Christmas. The movie takes place at Christmas time. That's really more of a coincidence than anything else. You could you could move that movie to any other period of time where maybe a, a, a company would be having a gathering, right? And Christmas is a good thing. New Year's could be that, whatever. But really, the themes of Christmas is not really a part of that movie at all. So therefore, I do not consider it a Christmas movie, you know? Whereas you look at something like Home Alone, the themes of Christmas become very important to that movie as a whole, or It's a Wonderful Life, or Miracle on 34th Street, or, you know, obviously, you know, Christmas Carol and things like that. But the themes of Christmas are not a real active part in the movie Die Hard at all. So that's why I don't consider it, but many, 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 many people do. And if you do, that's great. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Yippee-ki-yay, mother effers. Anyway, that'll do it, guys, for this installment of the companion video. Thank you so much for taking some time out to watch this video with us here today. I hope you had fun with it. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, guys, don't forget the John Campus Show returns again tomorrow morning with me, Ray, Kimberly. We already got a whole bunch. We got a lot of Spider-Man stuff to talk about. There was that Spider-Man panel with all the villains, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse stuff. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff already lined up to talk about. We hope you'll come back and join us for that. But guys, that'll do it. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.